morning, everyone. We'd like to welcome you here to the Houghton Wesleyan Church as we come together as God's people to serve him, to celebrate him, and to learn more about him. Please stand and join us as we um, worship him together through song. You know, this, this first song, yes, please stand. Join us and stand. <laughs> this first song that we're doing, Solid Rock, is one that I have sung my whole life, and I'm sure a lot of you have also sung your whole lives. And I think that sometimes when we sing a song our whole lives, we can kind of let the words sort of go by as we sing them. You know, we know them so well. And this week I was reading a story about um, someone in a very traumatic life um, circumstance. And at the end, it the, just popped up the, the lyric, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and say. And I was so moved by that, taking that line from Solid Rock out of the context of singing it and just seeing it all by itself. And so I want to invite you as we sing this morning to try to look at these words freshly with new eyes and, um, and just really listen and sing these words as though it were the first time you've ever sung them.
God, you are the same today, yesterday, forever. And we've come to worship you, to put our trust in you, to learn of you, and to do so in the fellowship of your body. We pray that you will help us to know that you are here with us today. And may our worship be pleasing to you and bring glory to you. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. It's great to welcome you to worship today. There's just a couple things I want to highlight in the bulletin. Uh, Please note that next weekend is when we uh, turn our clocks back. And so just remember to do that for next uh, Sunday morning. And um, also you'll notice that uh, next week is the beginning of our uh, prayer vigil. This is the fifth year we've done this. We'll talk a little bit more about this later. But uh, you can sign up this morning at, on the upper and lower levels of the uh, foyer and also in the CE building foyer. And we want to encourage you to take advantage of that. Also, we're beginning next week with a prayer walk. And uh, if you've not been a part of that, uh, I think it would be a really exciting time of uh, canvassing our town and the, and the surrounding towns and just praying for, uh, for people and for the communities. So you can also just uh, add your name to that list today, but you can come next week whether you sign up or not. And uh, we hope you'll be a part of that gathering as well as the kickoff service at 4.30 next Sunday. you also see an announcement about uh, a group at the Absolute and some help with that and also Operation Christmas Child. And so we hope that you will uh, take, be, take advantage of that and also some need to help with some drivers for our senior citizens to help out with them. There are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin. Uh, we always uh, want to continue to pray for those who are connected to us in the world who are in need and certainly in need of the help of, of Christ as we pray together. 
One of the great joys we have in coming together is to dedicate our children to God, and we have a family coming to dedicate uh, their child to God this morning. Mike and Jill, God has blessed you with this little one, and today you come to dedicate him back to God. You are here today because of your own faith in Jesus Christ, and in this public act of dedication, you are declaring your desire that he will be raised in the love and the grace of God within the nurturing spirit of the church. In this act, you are welcoming and desiring the prayers and the support of this church, and declaring that he would early learn to know and follow the will of God And that his life would be defined as a lifelong commitment to Christ. That he might, in the end of his life, receive the promise of eternal life with God. In order that this may be accomplished, it will be your duty as parents to teach your child early the fear of the Lord. And to watch over his education, that he may not be led astray by false teachings or doctrines. To direct his mind to the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will and authority of God for all humanity. And to direct his feet to the sanctuary. To restrain him from evil associates and habits and as much as possible to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Will you endeavor to do so by the help of the Lord? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, we read these words. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to, such, belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. What name have you given your child? Gabriel Isaac Jordan, on behalf of your family and this congregation, I dedicate you to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As I mentioned, every time we dedicate our children to God, this is uh, a part of the triangle of, of grace and mercy and God's presence in his young life. And uh, the, the base of that triangle is God himself, and God has committed himself to Gabriel And we know from the scripture, we know from God's work in the world that uh, he is already at work in this young boy's life. And Mike and Jill and their family have have made their commitments and they are one side of the triangle surrounding him. And uh, their desire that God help them and give them grace to help him know and follow Christ. But we also have a role as the church. We will be involved in his life in uh, things like Sunday school classes or kids club or a variety of ways that are structured, but also in those serendipitous moments, those providential moments when we encounter him and we have the opportunity to be the loving presence of Christ in his life. And so I want to invite you to stand and to affirm your support of of Gabriel and of his family. As the church of Jesus Christ, will you, with the help of God, Do everything possible to help Gabriel grow in the nurture and grace of Jesus Christ. Will you love him? 
Will you be a godly witness to him? And will you help him to know and accept the grace of God in his life? If so, answer, we will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this little one that you have brought into Mike and Jill's family and into this church. And today we dedicate him to you. We pray, Father, that he will have a heart for you all of his life. And even at this very young age, he will begin to know how much you love him, how valuable he is to you. We pray, Father, that his life will be defined as an openness of every part of his being to you through Christ. Pray for Mike and Jill as parents and and this great burden and task and privilege of being parents. We pray that you will give them all the grace that they need. We pray that you will help them to be that godly witness that they desire to be. And that you will pour out your blessing on them and their home and all that they do. We pray for Grace and Jack and Lucy as older brothers and sisters. We pray that they also, as they follow you, will be a witness to their little brother. That what he sees in them will inspire him to know you and to follow you. Lord, we place your, your holy hands upon this little one this morning. May he know your love and grace in his life. And we pray this through Christ. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to ask the ushers to come and assist us now in the giving of our tithes and offerings.
forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear our prayer, Lord. Listen to our cry for mercy. When we are in distress, we call to you, because you answer us. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Your kindness is forever. Your goodness is forever. Your mercy is forever. Forever. Your kindness is forever. Your goodness is forever. Your mercy is forever. Forever. Your kindness is forever. Your goodness is we spend time praying together. If you'd like to come to the altar rail and offer your prayers, please come and join me. good and your mercy does indeed endure forever. It's why we're here today. It's it's how we are here today. Because you poured out your mercy and your goodness and your grace upon us as undeserving as we are. And we come today to to proclaim our thanksgiving, to declare who you are and to lay our lives before you in honesty and openness and truth. Father, we know that you are with us in our struggles, whatever they may be. We know that you love us, that you're working for us, whether we see you or feel you or not. And we believe that you are transforming us. Even when that transformation takes place in ways that we might not have expected. 
Father, we ask for your gentle care for the least of your children in our fallen world. For those who suffer innocently because of cruelty. For people caught in the crossfire of war and conflict. For those who are hungry and homeless. For those who are outcast and ignored by our society that so often focuses on power. Father, we pray that in every need, the needs that are out there in the world and the needs that are right here among us, heal, restore, feed, clothe, comfort, and transform. And Father, we pray that you will burden us and burden your people everywhere to feel such compassion for the needs of others that we beg you to let us be agents to soothe and to calm and to help and to love. Father, this is our prayer. It's a prayer that we offer to you through the grace and mercy of Christ Jesus who teaches all of us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please turn with me to today's scripture reading from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up.
Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join us as we sing together. And at this time, children ages 2 to 5 may be dismissed for Children's Church and ages 6 to 8 for Junior Church. Please be seated. 
a hard question. Are you a good person? Now, to answer that question, you might answer that differently than somebody in your family. Uh, you might answer that differently than someone you work with. But if you're, if you're honest with yourself, would you say, I'm a good person? That's, a, that's kind of a hard question for us because it's one thing to say, I'm a kind person. It's another thing to say, I'm a, a person who is trying to, I'm a peacemaker, peacemaking person, or I'm a joyful person. There's just something different about the question, am I a good person? Now, that's a struggle for us. It's a struggle for humanity down through the ages. I mean, Paul writes in Romans 7 that I struggle with being good because the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I'm trying not to do, that's what I do. And, and this wrestling with being good is a hard one for us. And, and we, we want to try and find ways to, to work around that. I suspect that we can probably relate to the, uh, the philosophical uh, mindset that uh, the Calvin has in this cartoon, in his conversation with Hobbes. And he says... Um, See if I can get over here and read this now. Uh, my eyes aren't too good. If heaven's good and if I like to be bad, how am I supposed to be happy there? How will you get to heaven if you like to be bad? Well, let's say I didn't do what I wanted to do. Suppose I led a blameless life. Suppose I denied my true dark nature. I'm not sure I have that much imagination. <laughs> so maybe heaven is a place where you're allowed to be bad. You know, we, we are looking for loopholes all the time in that question, am I a good person? Now, we live in a, in a culture that is not shy about defining goodness. We, we don't like, the culture doesn't really like to talk about good and bad so much as we talk about what I think is good and bad. I mean, we, we are not at all hesitant to punish people that we think are bad and to highlight people that as a culture we think are good. We, there are, I mean, people who are, you would say, they are the most pagan people you know are, are concerned about justice and, and, they, and they will fight for, for justice in this world about things that are important to them. And the whole point of our culture and society when we talk about good and bad is what do I think is good? And a lot of it has to do with, you know, the buzzword of tolerance. And if you are tolerant in the same way that I'm tolerant, then you're good. If you're not tolerant in the same way that I'm tolerant, then you're bad. And good and bad is defined by what I think is good and bad. Now, we, you know, we live in a... In a, in a culture that is, is not afraid to talk about good and bad. And we live in a world that values people acting good. And there are lots and lots of people in this world who admire and acknowledge goodness. So when Paul comes to the fruit of the Spirit, and he says the fruit of the Spirit the result of walking in the Spirit, the result of being filled with the Spirit and living in the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. He must be talking about something different than the way our culture and our world defines goodness. 
Something has to be different. And I think it's this. I think when Paul talks about goodness, he's talking about, as with all the other characteristics of the fruit, he's talking about goodness that is defined as self-giving. Goodness that's defined as sacrifice. Goodness that's defined in a, by, by not just an attitude that is self-giving, but an attitude of self-giving that is seen in our sacrificial actions. When we talk about goodness, it's not enough to say, I want to be good, I'm thinking good thoughts. That's important. But goodness is one of those things, like all the fruit, that it's really only proven when you can see it. And to say I'm a good person because I think good thoughts is not enough. I'm a good person. The fruit of the spirit of goodness is seen in me because of the way I act, what I do. And that self sacrificing, self-giving spirit that comes out in actions is a challenge for us. It's one thing to say, I'll be good to people that are easy to be good to. It's something, you know, it's something else to say, I'm going to act in a way of goodness toward people that haven't acted that way toward me. Now you've totally redefined the whole thing. In Galatians chapter 6, after Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, let's work at doing good to all people. Not just the people who are easy. Not just the people who treat us with goodness. Not just the people who agree with us. Not just the people who see things, who see the world the way we do. But all people. And most especially the people who don't see things the way we do who hurt us, who are against us, who treat us poorly. That's the difference in being filled with the Spirit and seeing the characteristic of the fruit of goodness coming out of our lives from how the rest of the world understands goodness. Now, it's interesting to me that there are a number of scholars as they as they define this, this Greek word that Paul uses here for goodness, it's not used very often in the, in the Greek Old Testament or in the New Testament, about maybe 10 or 12 times in the Old Testament and only three other times in the New Testament. But it, it seems to have this underlying idea that it's, all the words that are connected to it, it has this underlying idea of generosity. And as the more I pondered that, the more that made sense to me. Because if you, if you think of goodness as giving of ourselves, then, of course, that talks about generosity, about being generous with what we have and what we do and how we live our lives. It's that self-sacrificing spirit and action that it really is generosity. And you see that in Matthew 20 when Jesus tells the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And, and the master goes out, goes into the, into the city streets and he finds people at early in the morning and 6 o'clock. And he says, you want to come work in my vineyard? I'll pay you a denarii. 
And they say, sure, we'll go work. And they go work. And every few hours, he goes back to the, to the city and he finds more people who are willing to work. And he, and he brings them out to the field and they work. Even to the very last hour, he grabs some people and they come and work. And when, all, when the day is done, he lines them all up and he starts with the people who, worked, who got there last, worked one hour, and he gives them a denarii. And the guys who were at the other end of the line and worked all day are thinking, this is awesome, we're going to get more than we thought. And every person down the line gets the denarii, even the guys who worked all day. And they are irritated about it. And I think I'd be irritated about it. You know, be honest, what, what are you doing here? That's not fair, it's not right. You can't do that. And what's the master's response? He says to them, are you envious of my generosity? Or are you envious of my goodness? It's really a form of this same word Paul uses that the master uses here. Are you envious of my generosity, of my goodness? If the master wants to use his wealth to give more to people, he has the right to do that. He can be generous. And the call on our lives as people who are walking in the Spirit, people who are living in the Spirit, who are controlled by the Spirit, is to live with the sense of goodness as generosity. the question that has been running through my mind is, what does that look like? What does it look like to be generous? And there are a few things that came to my mind. One is what we do with our possessions. The spirit of, of giving as, as an act of generous, sacrificial goodness. We've been blessed by God. He has given us a lot. What do we do with it? Quite frankly, it doesn't really matter if we have a lot or a little. What, do, what are we doing with what we have? What's the spirit of generosity with what we own? We're talking about money, possessions, whatever it may be. Whatever we have, what are we doing with that? Are we using it generously for acts of goodness for other people? If we're walking in the Spirit, if the Spirit's controlling us, it's the most natural thing in the world to be generous with what we have as expressions of goodness. We give it to people. Now we talk about the church, we talk about giving to the church, and, and, uh, and the idea of tithing, and that word tithe just means 10%. And people will say, well, that was an Old Testament principle. That was something that, that God demanded of the Israelites in the Old Testament. We are New Testament people. We don't live by that anymore. And I will say to you, you're exactly right. That's true. In fact, to the Corinthians, Paul says, in essence, don't worry about the tithe. Because, quite frankly, the tithe is way too little to give back to God. Instead of thinking about the tithe, you ought to be thinking about how you can be even more generous. Think about what you're doing. Instead of the mindset that says, how little can I give to God and still be okay with God? 
rather have the mindset, how much can I give away for the kingdom to, as an expression of the Spirit's goodness in me and still survive? And that's a challenge for us, a challenge for me. I like hanging on to what I have. Quite frankly, I like being self-centered about what I have. But as people who, through whom the Spirit is creating this characteristic of goodness, one of the ways it's expressed is through generosity in our giving. And I want to challenge you today to really think about that. Think about the generosity of your life with what God has given you. Again, it doesn't matter how much or how little. We're not talking about numbers. We're talking about the Spirit And just what we do with what we have. What we are giving to others. What we are giving to the kingdom. How we're using what God's given us. I also think that this is one of those places where we talk about ministry. Service. As an act of generous, sacrificial goodness. What are we doing for the kingdom? How are we using our time? How are we using our, our talents and our gifts and, and, and our schedule for the kingdom? What, what are we doing in service to other people? What kinds of ministry are we doing? One of the things that, that we, we often do, and I think there's some good to it, is to, to determine what, what are our gifts? What gifts has God given me and and, uh, and how can I then use those gifts for the kingdom? And what I find often happens in the discussion about gifts is that we, we sit down, we take time to think, what are my gifts? And then we wait for some perfect opportunity that exactly matches whatever that gift may be. And, and we will wait and wait and wait and often make up excuses for how that doesn't match my giftedness. Now, there is something to be said for matching what we do with our giftedness, but quite frankly, if you're going to talk about ministry and service in light of a characteristic of the Spirit that's related to goodness, it doesn't really matter what our gifting is in some ways. If there is a need, we want to do good, we jump in. It doesn't really matter if it fits our giftedness or not. We just get involved. We just do it. We participate. We minister. We serve. And I know that's hard because there's something in our minds that says we only serve when, it, when it's comfortable for us. We only serve when it fits our schedule. We only serve when it fits our gifting. But when we are walking in the Spirit and when the Spirit is controlling us... It's what sets our service apart from other people who do good things. That we step beyond what is comfortable and easy. And we're willing to sacrifice because there's a need. Whatever that need may be. That doesn't mean we have to respond to everything and we don't feel guilty because we don't respond to everything. But somewhere in the mix is an openness and a willingness and a passion about service. Far too often, 
when we think about the church, our mindset is, how can the church and the people in the church serve me? As opposed to the mindset, how can I serve the church and others? And that spirit of sacrifice, a spirit of generosity should define how we respond to the needs and service and ministry. And the third thing that comes to my mind is prayer. Sometimes we, we, don't all, we wouldn't always think of prayer as a means of generosity and sacrifice. But I think that's because we tend to think of prayer as something we do when we feel like it. Or something we do out of a routine in our lives. And, and both of those are good. But at, as we get deeper into the spirit, we have to start thinking of prayer in, in deeper ways. I mean, someone, as I read something this week, somebody said, uh, in a, in really, in, in, in some way, everybody prays. I mean, e- even pagans, in some form, pray. You know, it might be one of those, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do whatever for you. And it might be one of those hanging from the cliffs, uh, God help me kinds of prayers. But lots and lots of people pray. What sets apart people who pray in the Spirit is that we pray in a mindset of sacrifice and generosity that we want, that, that we hope will develop through the Spirit this characteristic of goodness. It is this sense that that we are willing to give our time and our energy and our schedule to pray. I mean, if you've prayed intensely about something and you've prayed for a period of time and you really engage in prayer, you walk away from that blessed, but you also walk away from it exhausted. Because you've invested something in it. I mean, this is one of the reasons we have, we have decided that we want these, these three-week prayer vigils to be a part of the rhythm of who we are as a church. Because it gives us opportunities to pray more sacrificially than we might otherwise. To take an entire hour in the prayer room. For a lot of us, that's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of our time, because we all have other things we can do. It's a sacrifice of our schedule because it's not always convenient. It's a sacrifice of our energy. But we do it because we're walking in the Spirit. Because we want the Spirit to develop that characteristic of goodness that is generosity and sacrifice. And whether your sacrifice in the prayer room is coming in the middle of your day instead of eating lunch, or it's coming in the middle of the night instead of getting some sleep. It's sacrifice. And to come more than once and to to be there for a whole hour and to engage yourself and to open yourself to God and and to intercede for people who are in need and who are burdened. For our church, for people that are connected to us, for the institutions here, for our town, for the surrounding towns, for the world. We come and we give ourselves in prayer. And it is a sacrifice. 
It's a sacrifice that brings great blessing and great joy as the spirit working in us always does. This is one of the reasons why as we, you know, as we've put together literal fruit with the fruit of the spirit during the series, this week we picked blueberries as the fruit connected to goodness. You'd be thinking, why would you pick blueberries? Well, you know, as we've talked the past week, some of these things may seem a little bit convoluted to you, but there is a method to the madness. And, and we think about blueberries. This, is, this has become sort of one of the superfoods. You know, blueberries are rich in antioxidants and manganese. They have fiber and vitamin C. I mean, blueberries are, are one of the, the healthiest things you can eat. And, and they are the, one of the superfoods of fruit. And quite frankly, prayer is the superfood of goodness. When we engage ourselves in prayer, we are putting ourselves in a position in which God can work in our lives. And he can begin to to create the soil of our hearts that will, out of which will grow the fruit of the Spirit. But of course, that means... Part of the sacrifice is letting God dig up the rocks and pull the weeds and till the hard, rough, crusty soil of our hearts. But man, it's painful when he's doing it, but it's awesome when we begin to see the fruit come up and the fruit develop. You know, I think a lot of times we think about, we think about goodness in the negative. You know, our initial thought about being good is a checklist of the things, the bad things that we do not do. I'm not involved in immorality. I'm not getting drunk on Saturday night. I'm not cheating on a test. I'm not lying to, to my boss. Uh, and I've, I go through this checklist and I'm pretty good. But when we're talking about the goodness that is the characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, it's really not so much the, the rules and, and the laws about doing wrong. It's about freedom to do right. It's about the joy and, 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 and the freedom of, of investing ourselves in other people and in the world. And that's why Paul writes right after he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He says, against such things, there is no law. Because it's really about freedom. And goodness is not so much what we don't do. It is what we do. And what we do then involves, it always involves risk. You can't help it. If you're going out and and you're sacrificing, there is risk. And sometimes we fail, sometimes we blow it, sometimes we fall flat on our faces, but that's okay. I was thinking this week about a song that we used to sing when I was a child. And some of you maybe who are a little older might remember this song. But um, it goes, the chorus is this. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep. In Jesus I'm safe evermore. Now, I love that song. 
I love the melody. I love the harmonies of it. I can remember my grandmother with her hi-fi stereo listening to those records of the Haven of Rest Quartet. And you know, it, it, it brings back all these great memories for me. And, and I love the imagery of being safe in Jesus. But the more I ponder the words of that song, the more uncomfortable it makes me feel. Because I'm not sure that as people who walk in the Spirit, as people who are, who are living in the Spirit, that our calling is to be moored to the dock, safe in Jesus. That's not what a boat is for. You don't build a boat and then tie it to the dock and leave it there. Now, it's safe, it's comfortable, but that's not why a boat was built. A boat is built to get out onto the water. And when you go out onto the water, you take risks that it might spring a leak or a storm will come up or something will happen. There's always a risk in going out onto the water. But I am convinced that as people who walk in the Spirit... We are called not to the safety of the dock, but out into the seas of life. And might we fail? Do we raise the risk of failure? Of course we do. But I'm convinced God is much more pleased with our attempts, even when they fail, than playing it safe. And I think about the parable of the talents. Where Jesus says the master getting ready to go on a trip and he has three servants and he entrusts them with talents and he leaves and while he's gone, two of them invest the talents and double them and the one is so frightened of his master that he buries it in the ground. And when the master comes back, the other two say, here's what we got. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the one who buried it says, look, I've saved this. I played it safe. And he's condemned. Harshly. Goodness is not about playing it safe. It's not just a checklist of we haven't done these wrong things. It's about taking risks, investing ourselves, sacrificing ourselves, being generous with what we give and how we serve and prayer. the sake of the kingdom. And like all the other fruit, ultimately it comes back to God. We can be good. We have this sense of goodness because we are connected to the one who is good. Infinitely good. Beginning at creation where every day he looks at what he created and says it's good. And all throughout the history of his people, they continue to proclaim God is good. Even when they're not, God is good. Even when they reject him, God is good. Even in his punishment, God is good. Until ultimately God's goodness comes to completion on the cross. The ultimate act of God's sacrifice of goodness. And the strength to be good is not in us It's in him. It's surrendering ourselves to the spirit. 
It's walking in the Spirit. It is giving ourselves to the Spirit, but it is also wanting what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. Wanting that characteristic of goodness, willing to be generous and self-sacrificing. And so this morning, as you think about the things in your life, you think about Think about where you are in terms of goodness. What's the Spirit saying to you? Let's pray. Father, forgive each of us for our self-centeredness, for our desire to be safe, for really our unwillingness to trust you. And open up new doors through your spirit to to exude this characteristic of goodness. Give us a renewed desire, a want to, generosity and self-sacrifice and self-giving that is your nature. Whatever our struggle may be, wherever we are, help us to sense you helping us. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. This morning I want to give you an opportunity, opportunities again to respond to whatever God may be saying to you. There are cards at the outside and inside ends of each row. Please take one of those. And uh, you'll notice the cards today say goodness. Little blueberries on them. At some point today, write on the card whatever God may be saying to you. A word of encouragement, a word of challenge, a word of conviction, whatever it may be. Just take a moment today to write that down. And let's commit ourselves again this week to pray five minutes a day for God to create that spirit of goodness in us. And if this morning you would like to Have somebody listen to you, pray with you. The elders will be down by the prayer room again this morning and are available for you. I also want to encourage you this morning about the prayer vigil. Uh, This this is the opportunity right in front of us to, uh, to practice this spirit of goodness, to let the spirit motivate us. And I want, to, I want to encourage you today, and I, it's maybe a challenge for some of you, but I want to encourage you today to, to sign up, even before you leave the building, to sign up for an hour this, this beginning next Sunday, to sign up for an hour that first week to pray. 
And if you've done it before, you, you have a sense of, of what coming and praying is about. If you haven't, then it, I know it's a new challenge and it may seem kind of odd. And what do we do for an hour in the prayer room? Well, there are lots of things to do. And we want to, for those of you who haven't seen the prayer room, we want to show you just a brief video. And this is, this is the video we made a few years back. And there will be some changes in this year's prayer room as we include some things related to the fruit of the Spirit. But you'll get a sense of what the prayer room will look like as you come to pray. And as um, you make that, that choice to give your time and your energy in prayer. stand and sing with us.
receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.